helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to another captivating episode of the Life Transformation Show. I'm Denise Hart, your co-host, and today we'll be discussing this very important topic of how to heal trauma bonding. If you're new to this show, we are on the air every Monday morning at 9.30 and you can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com and joining us as usual is psychotherapist Michael Hart. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much, Denise. It's a pleasure to be here again to explore such an important topic. I see many individuals in my practice as a psychotherapist who are in very bad relationships in which they seem to be trapped. And by trapped, I mean cognitively, they know that these relationships are bad and that they should get out. But for some reason, they can seem to leave the relationship. Family members and friends have tried to rescue them from these relationships, but they keep going back into it. So it's such an important topic for us to cover this morning because I'm hoping that by hearing what we have to cover in today's show, many people who are listening to our voices will find the freedom to finally leave bad relationships. Those are real issues, Michael. Many people are in those situations. So trauma bonding is a topic that often operates silently affecting lives in ways that go unnoticed. That's why we're dedicating not just one, but two parts series to truly comprehend and conquer this issue. So in today's episode, we're setting the stage for part one of our exploration of trauma bonding. We'll begin by asking the fundamental questions. What exactly is trauma bonding and why is it absolutely crucial to understand? So let's get started, Michael. Can you shine a light on what trauma bonding is and why our listeners need to pay close attention to this discussion? Trauma bonds are powerful emotional attachment that occur in a relationship dynamic where there is an abuser and an abused. This bond occurring a person is attached emotionally, despite the fact that they are being harmed by the relationship. And these bonds can be extremely powerful and difficult to break. The, the connection that the abused person have with the abuser is hard for friends and family members to fathom. It often leaves them puzzled as to why the abused person would want to go back in such a bad relationship. And what is even more frustrating is that despite their friends and family's efforts to rescue the abused person, to leave the abuser, the abused victim will go right back into the abusive situation despite saying verbally that they want to leave. Michael, this brings to mind a stat that you quoted on a previous show that said, on average, women will make seven attempts to leave an abuser before finally ending the relationship. I often wondered why women go back to their abusers, but I guess 
What I hear you're saying is that there are powerful psychological dynamics that play that cause them to find it difficult to leave bad situations. Absolutely. That's the, that, that's exactly what's happening. And the situation that many of these women go back into reminds me of an analogy that the apostle Peter used for believers who abandon their faith and go back into the world. When he said, of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returned to its vomit and a sow, sow that is washed returned to her wallowing in the mud. And I'm not here using the the derogatory terms to refer to people who are in this bad relationship because my heart goes out to these people. But what I am trying to say here is that they are in very bad situations. And Paul's and, and Peter's analogy of a dog returning to a vomit and a pig washed in what was washed going back into the mud, I think captures exactly how bad these relationships are. So this is not uh, any kind of insult to people who are suffering in these relationships, but rather a picture of how bad the situations are that they're going back into. I'm going to emphasize, Michael, because my heart also goes out to anyone in these situations. So tell me, are some people more prone to trauma bonding than others? Yes, that's a very good question, Denise. Yes, some people are more prone to trauma bonding. Trauma bond can develop as a result of past experiences and unresolved wounds. For example, if someone experienced a difficult or traumatic childhood, they may be, tr- may be drawn to abusive situation. And this could be because it's their, they're, they're accustomed to dysfunction. And so when they're in a situation that dysfunction is playing out, the tendency is not to want to leave it or to run away from it because it feels like home. So yes, some people are more prone. Psychologists also believe that people stay in this, these kinds of relationship because there are unconscious mechanisms at play where people are seeking to heal old wounds and correct past mistake. So if they have been abused in the past, they're looking for situations in which they may be abused in the present as a way of trying to correct the mistakes of the past. So when most people hear of trauma bond, they think of trauma bond in terms of a romantic relationships. But Can trauma bond occur in other relationships as well? Absolutely. There are many different kinds of situations where we find trauma bond. For example, a parent-child relationship can be a trauma bond situation where adult adult children who have been abused and neglected and deceived in many ways are are taken advantage of by by parents, sometimes have a strong bond where they keep working to earn the love of the parent who have mistreated them. And so there is a bond in that kind of a situation. But trauma bond can also be in 
the case of an employer and employee, or it can also be in the case of a religious leader and a member of the congregation or members of the congregation. For trauma bond can also happen among friends, family members, and, and a common form of trauma bond that we see today are is in the example of pimps and sex trade workers. Many of these sex trade workers have a trauma bond to their pimps where they are beaten, they are used, but they keep going back into the relationship with their pimps because they there is a, a trauma bond that is taking place that makes it very difficult for them to leave. So it is very interesting to hear you talk of religious leader and congregant, this is not an area that many of our listeners would associate with trauma bonding. Absolutely. But let me say that most pastors are honest, hardworking, dedicated people who go above and beyond in helping their congregants. But like in every profession or calling, there, there are good and bad people. I have counseled congregants who have suffered spiritual abuse and are finding it hard to trust God as a result of what they have suffered. And they are struggling to keep afloat emotionally because of how badly they have been abused. And some of these uh, members of congregations that I have spoken to, they have been taken financial advantage of, and they are used and abused by their spiritual leaders. I guess we should not be surprised because uh, Matthew 7, 21, 23, and Jesus's word says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evil uh, doers. So, you know, our listeners from the uh, feedback we have received love the way we use biblical text to illustrate the topics we discussed. Is there a biblical example of someone who may have developed a trauma bond? Absolutely. We find a very good example of trauma bond in the story of Samson in the book of Judges. So we see a situation where Samson should have been aware of the danger of being with Delilah for several compelling reasons. So, for example, there was repeated deceptive inquiries. We read in the book of Judges that Delilah asked him for the source of his strength on four occasions. On the first three occasions, after each attempt, Samson was attacked by people who she had set up to overpower him. But because he hadn't told her the true source of of his strength, he was able to overcome them. On the fourth attempt, he told her the true source of his strength, and he was overpowered. So Samson should have seen from the trauma he has been suffering, the attacks he had been receiving because of this a disclosure that he has he had made to Delilah that this wasn't a safe relationship. 
But Samson persisted until it cost him his life. And sadly enough, there are cases where people stay in trauma bond situation until their life is at risk or until something very serious happened. And this was what happened in the case of Samson. But we also see from the book of Judges that there is a history of betrayal that Samson carried with him. Samson had previously experienced betrayal when his first wife, Timna, who was also a Philistine, had revealed the solution to a riddle that he had posted. And so Samson, as a result of this deception, lost a lot of money uh, because of this betrayal. And the marriage ended fall ended up falling apart as a result but samson did not learn from this betrayal what samson did was that he ended up in another trauma bonded relationship with delilah where he was again deceived so this brings me back to my first point when i said that some people are more prone to trauma bonding than others it would seem that Samson had some kind of uh, childhood that make him prone to trauma bonding. So he's going from one bad relationship to the other. And he's not learning from his mistake. He's not learning about these deceptive Philistine women. And so he's putting himself back in a bad relationship and it cost him his life. My heart goes out to all the Samsons in our listening ears, Michael. So you mentioned trauma bonding as being a strong psychological connection. But can you talk more specifically of how abusers cause victims to become bonded to them? That's a very good question, Denise. One common method is what's called love bombing. And love bombing is where they shower the victim with affection, attention, and what seems like genuine care. And what this does is that it creates a false sense of intimacy and trust that can be highly confusing and disorienting for the victim. So love bombing creates this, this cycle where the victim feel as if there is genuine love and care. Another uh, form uh, or tactics that is used by by abusers is what we call intermittent reinforcement. So the inconsistent nature of the abuser's behavior alternate between cruelty and kindness. And when the cruelty happens, the intermittent goodness that is shown put the abused person in a psychological state where they are living for the next good act. They are living to receive that next intermittent good behavior. And so this creates a situation where the person can continue uh, indefinitely in this bad relationship because it's a mixture of good and bad experiences. Those are interesting points, Michael. So earlier on, you talked about how difficult it is for people in abusive situations to leave a bad situation. I understand that trauma bond 
is a general explanation of why it is difficult. But would you say that isolation of the victim by the abuser is one of the factors that make it difficult for them to leave? Absolutely. What we find in a lot of abusive relationships is that the abusers uh, isolate the victims from friends and family members, making it challenging for the victim to seek support or to find a safe haven. And this isolation further intensifies the dependence on the abuser and magnifies the perceived difficulty of leaving. So you can well understand that if you're in a situation where the only voice that you're hearing is the voice of your abuser, that it's going to be very difficult for you to be rational. It's going to be very difficult for you to get second opinion of what is happening. It's going to be very difficult for you to ascertain how bad your situation really is. And so isolation is a very common mechanism. But then there are also what I call, what is called trauma-induced belief, where the abuser may make the abused victim feel as if they are incapable to survive on their own without the abuser. So they may tell the abused victim things like, no one else will ever love you. No one else will ever care for you the way I do. Or they might use derogatory means such as, no one is going to want you at your age. No one is going to, is going to, is going to want to marry you with the, the, the children that, that we have if this relationship ends. So basically, I am your last hope. And so this creates a, a dependency on the abuser where the abused victim begin to feel as if there is no hope outside of this relationship. And so they hold on despite being treated very badly. Well, I hope our listeners are getting some hope from these points that you're mentioning, Michael. So let's go back to the religious leader and the congregant. Can you talk about some of the factors that make it difficult to leave congregations where spiritual abuse is taking place? Yes, that's a, that's a good point. Let us elaborate a little there. So members of congregations who, in which spiritual abuse is taking place may have been brainwashed into believing that their congregation is the only true church and that they should not even as much as visit other churches. You see, we have a corner on the truth. We, we have, we have this monopoly of the truth and there is no one out there that is safe for you to be with. So if you go to any other church, you are basically entering the gates of hell. So our congregation is it. And so these people, as a result, have tremendous guilt about leaving such congregations. And congregants may also have been brainwashed into thinking that if they leave the church or the abusive spiritual leader, it equates to leaving God himself. Oh, that's so truly sad, Michael, to think of. So 
as you talk about some of these principles of trauma bonding, it seems like abusers are using very sophisticated psychological principles to manipulate and control others. But what I know of abusers is that they are not always very intelligent. Where does this knowledge come from? I guess the question I'm asking is, is there a demonic component to trauma bonding? That's such a great question. And I'm glad you go there because, yes, I do believe that there is a demonic dimension to trauma bonding. You see, demons are highly intelligent and often have knowledge that humans don't have. So when I look at some of these cases of trauma bonding that I see, I see very intelligent men or women who have been taken advantage of by others who are less educated, may have dropped out of high school, but yet they're using these sophisticated mind control principles that seem to be coming from a source that is beyond themselves. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, How to Heal Trauma Bonding. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. So we, we know that demons are intelligent. For example, in Matthew 8, 28 to 29, we are told that demons came out and, uh, 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 out of a, a cemetery on one occasion and met Jesus and cried out, Son of God, what do you have? What do, do we have to do with you? They called him Son of God. Then they went on to say, Did you come here to torment us before the time? So just think about that for a moment. The religious leaders of the day didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God. The religious leaders and even the disciples didn't have a concept concept about the, the judgment to come and and what was going to happen. But these demons know that Jesus was the Son of God and they knew that a time of torment for them was coming. That's very interesting indeed, Michael. I guess we should take this opportunity to say, if you are in a situation that you think you have become trauma bonded, having deliverance prayer by trusted spiritual leaders or spiritually mature friends is a very important step in breaking free. So Michael, we know that the enemy of our souls is very cunning and sometimes trauma bonding may not be very obvious. What are some subtle signs that a person may be in a trauma bond relationship? That, that's another good question. And I think it's important for us to explore that a bit. So when a person is in a, a trauma bonding relationship, there are deceptions that are taking place. And as I said, there is a spiritual dimension to this as well. So one of the things that will happen is that the person will start blaming themselves for the abuser's action. So the victims, they may believe that somehow they caused the abuse or that they deserve it due to their flaws or 
actions. And the self-blame is a powerful and destructive mechanism that reinforces the bond with the abuser. Because you see, if the victim feels that they deserve it or that they are causing it, they're less likely to leave because it's their fault. And so it puts them in a situation where they're working harder and harder to try to earn the love of the abuser. And then we find that a lot of people who are in this trauma bond situation, they begin to minimize and justify the abuse. So For example, the victim may say something like, I don't want you to get me wrong. He's not a, he's not a monster. He's not, he doesn't beat me all the time. The last time was six months ago. Or he's a very nice man despite the fact that he has this violent temper. And so they make these kind of excuses as a way of trying to cope in the relationship. And they also may be holding on because of hope for improvement. They keep hoping that there will be some kind of improvement in the relationship. And so they're holding on against hope, but that hope, that change never come. These are very sound points, Michael. So just like any other virtue, while hope can be a good thing, it can also be used in a dysfunctional way. So if the person isn't making any serious effort to change, it may be futile to continue to hold on to hope or believe in empty promises. So Michael, what about gaslighting? Is this a common tactic that abusers use that may help to facilitate the trauma bonding? Absolutely. That's such a common term that is used a lot today, but it's, it's absolutely applicable to this, to this kind of a trauma because the abuser will use gaslighting as a way to manipulate the victim and to let them doubt their reality. And so they may even deny that they have hit the person. I've seen cases where people have been hit and they're confused into thinking that they were not hit by the abuser. The black eye that they got just somehow appeared or they they may normalize the the abuse and so when this happened the, the the person the victim feels that the relationship isn't that bad because this is what normally happens in relationship let's go further michael what about spiritualization of the issues example this is the cross that god has given me to bear Or, I am bearing this out of submission to my husband because this is what God asked me to ask of me. Yes, that is such a, a very good point. And we see that in a lot of church circles where people stay in very bad relationship because they think they're doing it out of submission. But let me say that God is not in the business of perpetuating or supporting evil. And so if you are in a situation where you have been trauma bonded, God is not calling on you to stay in that situation if the person is not making any attempt to get better or to change. In Matthew 18, 15 to 17, we are told that if a person be overtaken in a fault, you should take steps to try to get that person to change. And that if they still refuse to listen or change, that you should separate from them or treat them as the Bible is a pagan or a tax collector, tax collector, which in those days meant have nothing to do with them. 
This is a very serious topic, Michael, and very great points that you have um, mentioned so far. I would like to add also that the scripture that talks about women submitting also calls on the husband to love the wife as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. Absolutely. That's a part of that verse that's often forgotten. Thank you so much, Michael, for this insightful discussion on how to heal trauma bonding part one. Tune in next week at 9.30 a.m. for part two, where we will look at specific steps to break free from the chains of trauma bonding. If you identified with any of the symptoms mentioned in today's show, do not lose hope. Freedom is possible. You can find this episode on our YouTube channel. You can find out more about our ministry at Elim Counseling Ministry Ministry.com. Please consider making a donation to help our Christ-centered ministry. Your contribution will directly impact those seeking support and guidance. Until next time, I'm your co-host, Denise Hart. And Michael Hart, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.